This is LEC Online Church. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. In keeping with the theme of the day, the message this morning is entitled, In Time of Trouble. We typically use the word first responder to indicate a person who is authorized, trained, and prepared to rush into the face of danger. It's their job to respond first to the emergency situations that require aid and assistance. We most often typically think about first responders as firefighters, police officers, sheriff's deputies, EMTs, and other rescue personnel. And as I said at the beginning, since 2019, I think as a country, we have a greater appreciation for nurses, doctors, emergency room individuals who have been on the front lines of this pandemic. In fact, I was, I was listening to someone, I, I, I'm... I'm at a loss to remember her name, but someone that was talking with me this week who talked about in her, her duty as a nurse, her responsibility as a nurse during COVID, she would sometimes sit with people whose family was, were not able to come into the room. And she would sit there as they would take their last breaths. And she would pray and try to comfort in whatever way she can. That, you don't get over that kind of stuff. Those... Those kind of traumas, those kind of moments, they leave lasting scars. And we owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to those individuals, police officers and servants of, of our country and our citizenry. Would you stand with me, please? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, should be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Reading from the New King James, it says, Let us therefore... Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me read it again. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of Need. Would you say those last four words out loud with me? In time of need. You can be seated. 21 years ago today, I'm sure most of you remember exactly where you were when the first planes crashed into the Twin Towers. I was actually at a, re at a retreat, a church retreat, in the, in the mountains and hills of North Georgia, and we had just gotten through praying. We'd been on our knees for about 30 minutes praying when one of the members of that team that was there meeting with me got a phone call from his wife for us to turn on the TV. And of course, the rest of the day and subsequent weeks, we were all impacted by what we saw. One of the untold stories that came out later had to do with the valiant firefighters and police officers and emergency personnel who had rushed into the Twin Towers and at the Pentagon. 
uh, in pursuit to save and rescue those that were in peril. What we know now is that thousands of American citizens died that day. And among them were many of these valiant first responders that did not come home. Some of the stories that have come out of this have been tragic stories. And we remember today, and we will always remember. In fact, my father and I, who's, my father's 86, he and I had this discussion last year on the 20th anniversary. And I said to my father, I said, my generation will always see 9-11 as one of those defining moments in history. He said, that's true. He said, my generation will always remember December 7th, 1941, when Pearl Harbor took place. But every generation has that remembrance and recall of something that was so traumatic and 9-11 was something that defined our nation and we went into a direction that we have never actually recovered from. We live in a world that is very hostile. And we now have men and women who sit here in the room today among us who risk their lives every day to ensure that you and I have safety. They risk their lives in order that we may have the medical attention, that there's order in society, that there is necessary rescue and firefighting when needed. And we owe a debt to those individuals. So knowing that we were going to be doing this, I've been giving some thought now for some time about what the Bible says about emergency situations. And maybe you haven't had an emergency situation in a while, but you probably will one day. You'll probably have one of those moments when you're going to need one of those valiant first responders. And when I read this passage in my devotions, it occurred to me that this is precisely what we're talking about today. That in moments when we are in a crisis, we need a first responder. We need somebody with the training and the skill and the courage to respond. To come to our rescue, to come to our aid, to be there to help us in time of need. See, you don't need a firefighter until there's a need. You don't need a police officer until there's a need. You don't need a doctor or a nurse until you are in time of need. In a time of trouble. So when I look at the passage and examine it, it really is an invitation, isn't it not? The passage is an invitation. It says if you ever get to emergency situations, you ever get to a place where you are in crisis, here's what you do. Here's what you do. And so I want to just take a few moments and examine the passage just a little bit. Have you ever, have you ever said to somebody, I mean, maybe even in a very casual passing way, if you need anything, call me. I've said that before. I, I hope I always meant it. But is there any one of us that can honestly say we have not wished they did not call us? You know, what we want to say is, if you need anything, call somebody else. But that, in essence, is what the, the passage says. If you're in trouble, here's what you do. 
Here's where you go. Here's what you, would need, here's what you need to do. Now, all of us can list dozens and dozens of situations where we had a need and someone was able to come to our rescue. Some of them are not life-threatening. I mean, there was that day when Shelly called me in a complete panic. She's like, listen, listen, right now, whatever you're doing, I need you to help me right now. Okay, I'm thinking, my God, what is going on? And she said, I believe I left my makeup in your car. I said, do we not have other makeup? Well, I got to have that bag. That bag. It was a moment of need. So every, every crisis is not life-threatening. But every crisis is personal, isn't it? Your crisis is personal to you. It means something. And you need to know that there is somebody there you can call. Officer Dahl is here today, and I'm not just doing this because of him, but there have been a time or two that we've called Officer Dahl because we needed him, and he came right to our rescue. Whatever he was doing, hopefully we didn't pull him away from something more important, but we needed him, and he came right to us and helped us. Same with Officer Randy. There have been times when I've picked up the phone and I've said, Officer Randy, I hate to bother you, but I need help. You know what he's done? He's always been there to help. That's what a first responder does. And here's the amazing thing this morning, folks. As I've been preparing these thoughts, I realized Jesus was the original first responder. Of all first responders, Jesus was the original first responder. How do I know that? There's a passage that's found in Revelations chapter 13 and verse 8. It's on the screen. I think you can see it there. And it's interesting because you've got to think about it a moment. The writer of Revelation says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the, the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, what the revelator is talking about here is that we get to the judgment and people whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life even they will be required to worship God. There will come a time when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But then that last line says they worship, their name is not in the book of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means that there was a time when God knew that you were going to have a need. You were going to need a Savior. And God determined that Jesus Christ would be that responder to your need even before you and I were created. It means that Jesus in the mind of God, Jesus was the plan of salvation even before the world was created. Now the powerful thing is, is that God is still doing that. He's still working ahead of you. He's still out there in front of you. And before you even realize that you have a need, God is at work responding to that need and being the first on the scene to make sure that you have what you need. And that's so like God, isn't it? That God would be there in the moments when we needed Him. When we needed God to help us, He is there. Because life is complex sometimes. 
and it's complicated and families are difficult and, and jobs are hard and finances are tight and there are moments when we get completely overwhelmed with our circumstance and all we know to do is to call out to the Lord only to discover that God was already there. He was already there. He was already working. Many, many years ago when I was pastoring in my very first church in North Carolina, we were in a series of revival meetings and we had an out-of-town guest that was our speaker and toward the end of that, one of the services, he said to me, he said, do you know the lady sitting right there on the front seat? I said, yes, I know her. Her name is Stella. And he said, I don't know why I feel impressed that you and I should pray for her. I said, okay. So I went over to Stella and I said, Stella, the evangelist and I would like to pray for you. He feels especially led that uh, we should pray for you. She said, that's fine. And we began to pray for Stella. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move on Stella in such a powerful way. It was just incredible how the Lord blessed her that night. But we didn't know. Went to bed that night, four in the morning, my phone rings and I hear Stella screaming through the receiver of that phone. My God, Pastor, my, my God, please get over here quickly. I just woke up and Richard is dead. Her husband Richard had died in the night. She had awakened and he was unresponsive. Now, here's, the, here's what I'm trying to tell you. God knew that Richard was going to die that night. And he wanted us to pray for Stella so she could be encouraged to know the Lord was with her. And later that night, in the early hours of the morning, while we were waiting for them to pick up Richard's body, she said to me with tears, she said, Pastor, God knew this, didn't he? I said, he did. She said, that's why the evangelist wanted to pray for me. I said, that's exactly what was going on. God knew. See, he is the original. Jesus is the original first responder of your life. And whenever you're in a crisis, whenever you're in a situation, he's there. He is on the scene. He was there before the crisis began. Some of you are in crisis moments now. Some of you are in places right now where you don't know what to do. You don't know what you're supposed to do. You don't know how to respond. Things are falling apart at the house. Your, your children are, are, are creating havoc. You're, you're, there's trouble on your job. There, there's a problem with your neighbor. Whatever it is, God's already there. And he's already at work. And you don't have to have fear that you don't know what you're going to do or that you don't know how to respond because God's already there. He's already responded. He's already there in position to help you when you get there to that situation. So let's look at the passage very quickly and then we'll be done. There's some things I want you to see. Here's the first. The passage says, let us therefore come boldly. Did you notice that there is no restriction on who can come. Now this is going to sound silly. It's going to sound silly. But if I dial 911 right now and I tell them that there is a fire in this building, guess what? Down there at the Madison Station 3, I think it is, or Station 2, right down the street here on Hubbard Road, there will be an activation of an alarm. The team that's there in position is that's there is in position and ready to go. And all of a sudden, the sirens are going to go off, and they're going to start racing toward this location. I promise you, I promise you, they will not be thinking these thoughts as they are driving here. Do the people in that burning building pay taxes in this county? They're not thinking that. 
They're not thinking, uh, the question is, is there anybody that I know there? They're not thinking about the race of people. They're not thinking about the financial demographics. They're not thinking about whether they're Democrats or Republicans. They are simply responding as they have been trained to because they are coming without regard for who it is. And that's what the passage says. Let us. Who is that? That's anybody. Let us, therefore, come boldly. There's no restriction. You say, well, I'm not a member of this church. Doesn't matter. I don't have the pedigree. Doesn't make any difference. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. If you have a need, he invites you to come. Here's the second thing. Notice that the, next, that the invitation names the place of refuge. It says, to the throne of Grace. Have you ever, you ever been in a crisis and you didn't know who to call? You didn't know where to go. You didn't know, you know, the other day, one of the members of our church, his wife was ill and he called for the EMTs to come uh, and they ended up taking her to a different hospital than I thought. In fact, I went to the nearest hospital thinking that that was where they took them. When I got there, they didn't know where she was. And then I called and he said, oh, no, no, we, we sent her to a different hospital. So later as I was talking to him, he said, I didn't know. I didn't know which hospital to send them to. They wanted to know what hospital I wanted to go to and I didn't know. I just said, whichever one you think. You see, sometimes you don't know what you're supposed to do. You don't know where you're supposed to go. We're developing an emergency action plan here for the church. Several members of our church, some of you sitting here today, are on that team to develop an emergency action plan. A few weeks ago, we had an emergency here, and we actually did not know what we were doing. We had people running around and going crazy and chaos in the, in the hallways because we didn't have a plan. Who's in charge? Who makes the decisions? Who directs traffic? And everybody wanted to help. That was the problem. We had 22 generals and no followers. Because everybody thought they were in charge. It's just the nature of the kind of people we are. We love to give orders. We don't like to take orders. And so we need an emergency action plan. We're also doing it for the school. What do we do with the children when there's a storm? What are we going to do if there's a custody dispute and a, and a, a, custod- a non-custodial parent shows up? What would we do if there's an active shooter? This was the, the discussion Elizabeth and I were having this week. We have an an active shooter that walks into the building. We've we've done the Alice training with most of our staff and team. There are people sitting here this morning that are prepared right now. If somebody were walking that door, they are probably going to be tackled by nine people before they get five steps in the door. And we got a few people in our church that are so gung-ho excited about it, they would be hoping they're coming in the door. Don't point at anybody in particular. But there are people that are positioned in the room that are here uh, designed for your safety and security. People that are outside in the hallways in various places protecting. And, and, And sometimes you don't always know what to do. But this passage is so helpful because it in fact tells us what the spiritual disaster plan is for your life. You get in trouble, run 
to the throne of grace. The children that are going to be back here, if there's an active shooter, we are running to the Madison Police Department. We already know that we can get across that field. We can get through those bushes. Officer Dahl, we can get our children over there if we can get them out the door. But Jesus said, the passage says, the writer says, you have trouble, you have need. You know what you do? You run to the throne of grace. You get in trouble, you have need. You run to the throne of grace. Notice what it's not called. It's not called a throne of judgment. Sometimes people say, well, I, I can't do that because God knows all the bad stuff on me. That's not what it says. It says that it's a throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. And it's not a throne just for church people. It's not just for people that go to church. Let us therefore come to the throne of grace. That's where you go. You get in trouble, you go to Him. You get in trouble, you go to the Lord. You don't have to necessarily go to your neighbor. They may not have the answer. But if you go to Him, if you go to the throne of grace, I promise you, you will find the help that you need for your situation. Run to the throne of grace. Regardless of who you are. Regardless of what you've been through. Regardless of what your past has been. Run to the throne of grace. How many times have you gone to the throne of grace? I've been walking a good bit in our neighborhood here for exercise. In fact, I got lost the other day. I had to get my GPS out to find my way home. Some of these roads down here and by the lake, I mean, you can get flipped around pretty quickly. I believe I was halfway to, G to uh, Geneva before I realized I was on the wrong road. But I said to the Lord the other day while I was walking, I said, I just, I just want to take these next few minutes and thank you for what you've been doing for our church. I mean, it's a miracle what you did for this church. What you have done in this congregation, what you have done in the last two or three years, it's remarkable what you've done in this church, and I just want to thank you for it. And then I ended that prayer by saying this. But I also know I'm going to be back pretty soon asking for more help. Because I just know that the way life is and the way life circumstances are, I mean, I could stand here, and we did this last week. If you remember, we had people walk up here and tell you what God has done in their life. And all of us have those stories. All of us have those situations, those occurrences. But here's what I also know, is that almost every day of my life, I have to run to the throne of grace. And he never gets tired of seeing me come through the door. He never says, well, you were here last week. You're going to wait another week before you come back. No. You, whenever you need me. Whenever you're in a crisis, whenever something crops up, if it's three in the morning and you've got a sick baby with a high temperature, you can call on me. You get in a situation where you don't know what you're going to do. You've got to make a decision and you don't have any answers. You can go to the throne of grace. Because God promises it's always open. Now, can I just say this very carefully? You do not have the privilege of everybody's time. Now, sometimes you think you do, but you don't. You call your doctor's office right now, it's a Sunday, guess what you're going to get? Answer machine. Or you're going to get a 
uh, a, a responder, responder back who's not necessarily associated with your doctor. They're going to take a number and somebody on call is going to call you. I mean, is there any of us that have any doubt that when you go to the doctor's office, if you have a 915 appointment, that does not mean you will see the doctor at 915? In fact, I've said in more than my share of waiting rooms, and it, it's something that just kind of gets on me. I'm always early, which doesn't work to your advantage. Let me just tell you that up front. It doesn't matter. I'm sitting there, and as my appointment time comes and passes, I can feel the pressure building. Because I made my schedule up based on what they told me to do. Now, if you work in the medical field, please don't be offended by what I'm about to say. We just honored all of you and we love you very, very much. But this is something that really bothers me. And I need to get it out. I'm sitting there and honestly, I am exhausted because we're 45 minutes past the time they told me that I was going to. Um, and I can't prove what I'm about to tell you, but it's my conviction. It's mine. I own it. I believe the girl behind the glass has ESP. Because just about the moment that I'm going to stand up and walk out, she goes, Mr. Isaacs, I think we're ready for you. See, I think what she just did is she called back there and she said, I think he's about to leave. We better get him back there. Then they take you to another room where they leave you. And then you have no recourse because they take your clothes. And give you one of those designer gowns. And you're stuck. You do not have the privilege of your doctor's time. You don't have the privilege of a lawyer's time. You don't have the privilege of anybody's time, really. But here's the promise. 24 hours a day, whenever you need the Lord, he'll be there. You can call him in the middle of the night. You can call him in the early hours. He'll always be there. He'll always answer. He will always respond. And he says to every one of us in this room, if you get in trouble, run to the throne of grace. Here's the third and final one. He tells you what you can expect. You will obtain mercy and grace to help you. You know, I think one of the problems you and I have is that we worry about what God thinks about us. I know we do at my house. We worry about what God thinks about us. Do you remember last week when the speakers were here did it, did it occur to you, because I, I, I remember this distinctly and I wrote it, how many times people who spoke last week said, I thought God was mad at me? Another one in one case said, I was afraid that I had disappointed the Lord. And I think that we worry ourselves sometimes to exhaustion because we think God is as exhausted with us as we are with our situation. We think God's mad. We think he's got something against us. No, no. He loves you with an eternal love that never changes. And the promise that he made you is that he will always be there. And when you come, what you're going to find is mercy. Now, mercy is God not giving you what you deserve, but in fact, giving you what you don't deserve. That's what mercy is. 
And he says, if you run to the throne of grace, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get what you don't deserve, and you're not going to get what you should deserve. And he said, you're going to find grace to help. To help what? Grace is God's engagement with you, helping you to be the person that you're supposed to be. You live by the grace of God. You are who you are because of God's grace. And he says, if you run to the throne of grace, you're going to find mercy and grace to help. And that's what we all need. I like that, don't you? I like knowing that when I come to him, I'm going to find grace and I'm going to need mercy. Because I need both. Anybody with me? I need both. I need grace and I need mercy. Three of you. Well, the rest of us, God bless you. You're already perfect. I'm so honored to be in your presence. Just me and three other people are broken enough, Jerry. About 10 years ago, Shelly and I were still dating. In fact, we were traveling with a chaperone. Sometime I'll tell you about what it's like to date in your 50s, but we'll talk about that later. We were in the southern part of Ohio and I was up early that morning on my way to get breakfast for us and coffee for her. And a man in a car at an intersection pulled out in front of me with no time for me to respond. I hit him with the full force of the vehicle I was driving. My, my immediate, obviously my airbags engaged and there was what felt like a long period of time, it was a short period of time, but, but there was that moment of just absolute, where am I at and what just happened? I, I, I could see through the windshield of my car, his head was against the window, and I thought, oh my God, he's dead. That was my first response. But within seconds, now it was just seconds, it was not, it was not long, just within a moment or two, there were people in the window of my car, an officer, uh, uh, an EMT, and they had their head inside my car, and they were tending to me in that moment. They did not care what the color of my skin was. They did not care that I was not a resident of Butler County. And they gave no consideration to whether or not I was guilty or not. In fact, when I said to the officer who was trying to assist me in that moment, I said, what happened? He said, we don't know, but it's not important. We'll figure that out. Let's make sure that you're okay. See, that's mercy. That's mercy. That's a first responder who responded in mercy. Now, listen, the way a lot of us view God, we think God comes up the window and goes, you are absolutely crazy. You're driving like a maniac. Because that's what we would say. But the officer said, it doesn't matter. Let's make sure you're okay first. And I'm telling you this morning, with all of the authority that I have as a preacher of the gospel, 
That is exactly the way God treats you every time you come to the throne of grace. God, I have royally messed up this time. It's like, it doesn't matter. Let's make sure you're okay. God, I'm back here talking to you about the same addiction, the same problem. doesn't make any difference. Let's just make sure you're okay. Because that's the way he is. When you come to the throne of grace, you're going to find mercy and you're going to find grace to help. So let's finish. I realize that there's a diverse group of people sitting here today. Some of you have perhaps been victimized by circumstances in life. Maybe you were victimized by church hurt. Maybe, maybe you grew up in an environment where God was not presented in a way that made you think he was a loving father. Maybe your story is so different from my story. You don't know what it's like for a parent to love you. You don't know what it's like for your parents to want the best for you. And it's, it's made it hard for you. It's made it hard for you to see God that way. It's made it hard for you to see God as someone who is telling you to run to Him when you have a need. Because you've never found that out in real life. But I'm telling you, what I preached to you this morning is true. Maybe there have been some things in your life that you're not proud about and you, you walk gingerly around people's questions about where you came from and what, you, what your past was because you don't want to tell it. And you live in a cloud of hoping nobody finds out who you really are. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter to God. It may matter to somebody else, but it doesn't matter to God. And as we wrap up this message this morning and prepare to pray, I want those four words, I want them just to penetrate your brain this morning. Look at them, they're on the screen. In time of need. In time of need. When the first responders rushed into the Twin Towers, they had only one objective. Find people in need. When the Holy Spirit comes into this house, as He did today, He only has one agenda. Find people in need. Find mothers, fathers who have needs. Find teenagers and students who have needs. Find seniors who have needs. Because he is the first responder. Jesus walked up Calvary's hill one day. He knew what his mission was. In fact, he told the disciples, I know why I'm here. I'm here to die. I was born to die. And when they tried to convince him otherwise, he said to them, listen, I don't need you to fight for me. If I were just to call my father and tell my father, I'm calling this off, the Bible, he said, 70,000 angels would come to my rescue immediately. But he didn't. Because he knew that you needed a first responder. 
and he decided he would not walk away. And he continued up that hill and was nailed to a cruel cross so that when your need for a Savior came, the plan had already been taken care of. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God, I feel your presence in this room so strongly. I firmly believe you are talking to us today. Now, Father, I pray for the kind of faith and courage that it will take now to move from hearing God's word to responding to that. I don't know what the needs are in this room, but you do. And I know, God, that you are so intricately involved in every one of us that there isn't anything that is going on that is catching you by surprise. Our fears, our disappointments, our failures, our sin, our physical limitations, our pain, our suffering, our brokenness. God, you see all of it. You still say, run to me. I'll help you. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us the faith to believe that. In the name of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask my elders and prayer team members to get in position as quickly as you can. Thank you for coming quickly. You say to me this morning, Pastor, I need help. I need help from the Lord this morning. I want to invite you to come. Not that there's any power in any person that stands up here. These are just people trained to pray. But there is power in agreement. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in his blood to save and forgive and redeem. Maybe you're a mother in this room and you've got a family issue going on in your family. Why don't you bring it to the Lord? Maybe you're sick in your body today and you need the Lord to heal you. Why don't you bring that to the Lord? Maybe you and your companion, you're... You're struggling in your relationship. Why don't you bring that relationship to the Lord? He promised you that if you would run to the throne of grace, that you would find mercy and find grace to help. Why don't you trust Him? Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.